0: Welcome back, OTRs. On today's Cutting Edge episode, we're going to talk about how benchmarking promotes farmer and veterinarian cooperation, specifically on the topics of calf welfare. The big three takeaways today, OTRs, are number one, that the authors found in their pre-benchmarking interviews that while farmers did ID the vet as having expertise on respiratory disease, diarrhea, and pain management in calves, they did not often see the vet as an information source for calf nutrition, growth, or weaning. Our second big takeaway today is that I'd urge every vet, whether a student, associate, or owner, that they need to readjust their expectations that farmers will eventually recognize their expertise and potential advisory role. Instead, I think it's our responsibility to create an environment that shows our expertise And changes their mind because ultimately as Albert Einstein said insanity is doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results our third big takeaway the author noted that benchmarking discussions did improve farmers understanding of information perhaps filling a different role for clients with more current consulting interaction and acting more as an educational tool rather than an onboarding tool or a social norm vehicle for that client. These clients that have established relationships also saw an increase in diagnostics performed by the veterinarian, which would be a positive for those farms in terms of getting answers and a net positive for the clinic in terms of revenue. So clearly we can see that even clients with the best vet relationships can still benefit from this type of benchmarking program. The ultimate message from today's article OTRs is that benchmarking of calf and likely all farm data with peer-based data from the area helped establish social norms, increase the veterinary influence in the operation, and enhance the perceived value of vets as advisors on that operation. It also improved communication and the interaction between farmers and vets on the topics of calf management. So stay tuned, OTOs, as we investigate the role of benchmarking for increasing the perceived expertise of veterinarians and promoting communication and cooperation between farmers and their employed veterinarians. So the real challenge is, how do veterinarians like us, who don't have the time, resources, or financial backing of a multi-million dollar company, who are faced with irregular work schedules, on-calls, and emergencies, how can we facilitate our own personal and professional growth so we can continue to offer superior service to our clients while still remaining competitive in today's market? That is the challenge, and this podcast will provide you the roadmap to its solution. I'm your host, Dr. Eric, and welcome to Operators to Owners. Welcome back, OTOrs. Today's cutting-edge episode is going to focus on how benchmarking promotes farmer and veterinary cooperation to improve calf welfare, and this is the title of the article we're reviewing. The research was done by Sumner. Kesserling and Weary, and they came out of the Faculty of Land and Food Systems in the University of British Columbia. The objective of this research was to understand how benchmarking measures related to calf immune development and growth affected farmer and veterinary cooperation and influenced the farmer's view of the veterinarian as an advisor for calf management. Now, as always, we want to get right to the conclusions for you guys. And the main conclusions from this article were that benchmarking calf management practices around growth and colostrum management positively influenced farmer perceptions of the vet as an advisor of calf management and promoted further interactions over calf management. Benchmarking can also motivate farms to consider their vet as a social referent for calf health management. This social referent role is something we're going to talk about over and over again in this article, and it's probably something you guys have never heard of before. The nearest comparison that I can give you that a lot of people will know is a social referent is almost like a modern day influencer. A social referent in the context of this article refers to a person who provides the cues or information about what an individual should perceive as normal in the society they're in or in the industry in this case this trial sought to elevate the veterinarian status as a source for setting social normals on a dairy. And that's the premise or the foundation of this study. So getting into some of the interesting background information. First, the author talked about how a recent report by Atkinson in 2017 showed that when farmers were presented information about passive immunity and how well their calves were growing, The majority of them made changes to their calf management that led to improvements based on this information. And again, this was also part of the foundational thought process behind this study. They also found in that Atkinson study in 2017 that the simple act of providing information is a way to promote behavioral changes. But they also, the authors wanted to note that other factors play into this besides just providing information to clients. So Bechiri in 2017 showed that behavior can be influenced by expectations of other people through a perceived subjective norm also known as people behaving the way they would expect others to expect them to act so quite a mouthful so basically what we're talking about here is the influence of society on our potential clients this external influence by others can be better defined by the term social influence which was recently coined in research by Turner and Swinkles in 2015. Now, prior to this research, Ellis and Iverson in 2010 found this concept at work in their study with the interactions between farmers and veterinarians, where farmers were more likely to make changes in management when they were motivated to act appropriately by a trusted advisor. In that study, their trusted advisor was identified as their veterinarian. Now, Koppman in 2010, Pothman in 2014, and Wolf in 2016 all reinforced the veterinarian as a trusted advisor role for these farms, as each farm in those studies considered their vet as an influential advisor on topics related to animal welfare. Going on with this thought, French and Raven in 1959 showed that the ability of an expert to exert social influence and get their information to be accepted by the client was reliant upon the client perceiving them as an expert. So we can see this going full circle. The concept of social influence will form the foundation for this study. What the author is going to try to do is to establish expertise of the veterinarian, which will then increase their social influence, which will increase compliance and facilitate change on the operation. Each one of these points did a great job of kind of building the study up before the authors started to get into the individual methods for the study. Now, in the methods, the authors piggybacked this research on a 2017 study that investigated failure of passive transfer and growth rates in calves, specifically in British Columbia, and they used benchmarking of dairies at that point to catalyze that change. The benchmarking data contained blinded data from local farms. And it had the farm's information and the information of all the other participating dairies on there, but they didn't know necessarily the other dairies' names. They just knew what their information was. So in essence, the authors benchmarked the data they found. So they collected all of this passive transfer data, all this growth data, and compiled it. Then they interviewed the farmer prior to giving that information to the vet to present to them. When they, after they gave the benchmarking data to the vets, the vets went to the client, they presented the information, then the researchers re-interviewed the farmer. And what the authors were doing is they sought to establish or measure the change in the farmers after that benchmark data was presented. And this change rotated or was based in the theory of planned behavior. So what they were evaluating was this theory of planned behavior. And the theory basically has three main parts. The first part says that if you think something is a good idea, you'll want to do it. The second part says that if you think society thinks something is a good idea, you'll want to do it. And the third part says if you believe that it's something you could actually do, you'll want to do it. Now, the theory of planned behavior generally says if you accept that you can do these three things, you will do the indicated behavior. So what they sought to do, the researchers, was to Create interview questions based around confirming if vets could affect that second parameter or the farmer's perspective of the social norms or what society would expect, with the vet being the vehicle of reinforcing what is normal. This assumes that the vets would present solutions that the farmer thought they could fulfill, i.e. meet the third requirement of the theory of planned behavior, and that the farmer would do the things that would be good for them or good for their animals, fulfilling the first requirement of the theory of plan behavior. So again, they kind of focused just on this social norm concept. They did this by asking questions in an interview setting. So before they presented the benchmark data, or the vets presented the benchmark data, they asked questions such as, do you approach your vet to talk about calves? Or does your vet approach you to talk about calves? Or do you ask the vet about your calf's health? After the benchmarking data was presented, they asked questions such as, were there changes in the amount of time you spent discussing calves with your vet? Or they also asked, did you find these discussions beneficial? And the goal of this was to investigate the change in farmer perspective of the veterinarian as an advisor a social influencer, and their likelihood to comply. The benchmark data provided the vet with an opportunity to convey expertise on calf management and increase interaction between the farmers and the vets. Basically, it gave them a chance to increase their communication with their client. So, what do I think about this study? Now, the authors of this study had some really interesting ways of increasing veterinary influence. And they really sought to focus on the vet unit as the reinforcers of subjective normals, or they were also known as kind of the, the vets also known as the social referent, the one who provides the farm with the information as required to adhere to what is normal in the industry. And I loved the thought the authors put into the patterns associated with benchmarking. Specifically, that benchmarking data provided the vet with an opportunity to convey expertise on calf management and increase the interaction between farmers and vets on a less common topic. Again, like I mentioned earlier, we run our own quarterly in-house benchmarking cow side, and it's really allowed for some of the best and most productive conversations that I can facilitate. It's led to changes even after spending years of stating that they need to change, over and over again, because of this kind of social norm communication. It's also provided us as a clinic, many hours of consulting that proved financially beneficial to our clients and to our clinic. Interestingly, in this study, in the interview portion, before that benchmark data was presented, the vet was noted as a source of information and training related to disease and pain management in calves. But after the benchmark meeting, the vets were actually shifted that recognition to, ha- to having expertise in calf management, including milk allow- allowance, basically nutrition, and colostrum management. This recognition would allow us as veterinarians to get ahead of disease rather than playing that classic whack-a-mole concept in calves that we see on many of our operations. Perhaps even the act of collecting the data to benchmark would be enough to give us actionable information on that particular operation. We might not even have that information beforehand. I really think that this benchmarking is a great opportunity to revisit the package monitoring programs on dairies that we've talked about in the past. And where you package things like total proteins or urine pHs and commonly needed diagnostics that aren't getting done on these operations. I think, that that, again, can stretch from, let's say, the calf barn or the calf level all the way up to the cows. And it would, again, provide that key information or those key data points for monitoring herd SOPs and overall performance. So I think if we stretch our minds a little bit beyond this article and think about the opportunities, that's one area that would allow us to use this article's information, but also, again, to create more data um, that we can make actionable decisions off of. Now, the authors also found in their pre-benchmarking interviews that while farmers perceived the vet as having expertise on respiratory disease, diarrhea, and pain management, they did not as often see the vet as a valuable information source for calf nutrition, growth, or weaning. Adding to that misconception, the authors also found that farmers thought they worked well with their herd vet to solve problems in calf management, but when the vet was involved, it was kind of best described in a quote. And they said, I don't think in calf management, they're usually involved unless there's a whole bunch of calves dying. <laughs> so clearly we do a really good job in controlling outbreaks um, and playing that whack-a-mole role. But trying to get ourselves involved in the more consulting role and preventative role is going to be very key. And clearly farmers in this particular study did not identify that uh, as a whole. So this is one big takeaway from this article. We cannot afford to not seek out ways to improve these perceptions. That leaves a door open for consultants or other, you know, not so impartial parties to take advantage of our clients. Plus, we lose out on an opportunity for our businesses. We know that we can be or are the experts in these areas, and we need to do a better job of showing our clients that that is the case. This finding was compounded when researchers found that many farmers see their vet as reliable sources of information, while others said that their vet has influence but isn't a quote-unquote calf specialist. This isn't to say that they didn't trust their vet. In fact, the researchers found that that was the opposite. They found farmers highly trusted their vet, and they saw that the fact that the vet worked with other farms was an asset to them and the veterinarian. This social linking between farms through the vet is obviously highly valued by the farmer themselves, and it's a common idea throughout this paper. It also appears that it was highly valued by almost all of the participants in this study. It might actually be an underutilized topic for us as veterinarians due to our propensity to kind of protect client data. So we don't want to share the numbers of other dairies with between each other. But I think that if this data was properly protected in terms of blinding and those types of things, it would be prove to be a big asset in terms of changing our farmers' minds. So again, by no means am I suggesting we share this unblinded data, but I think that there's a lot of opportunity to make better use of our multiple operation exposure. By using things like anecdotal stories of other real life operations, we can convey the importance of change. To the farmer and provide them a link that they might not otherwise have. This is the opportunity the benchmarking meetings allowed the participating vets to convey. After the meetings, the veterinarian's knowledge in the benchmark areas were noted by farmers, but this was direct interaction. It conveyed expertise And it avoided the common trend in veterinary industry of simply listing your services or expertise online, in social media, or within your clinic with plaques. Too many clinics rely on this method to show consulting opportunities to their clients, rather than creating these new communication techniques to convey expertise through activities like benchmarking. And again, I want to review or go back to the French and Raven 1959 article. Yes, it's an oldie, but it's a good point. And it showed that the ability of an expert to exert social influence on their client and get their information to be accepted by that client was reliant upon that client perceiving them as an expert. The concept of social influence, again, was foundational for the authors of this paper. The premise sought to improve the expert status of vets through the use of this benchmarking technique, to improve assumed capacity within the client's eyes, to increase communication, which overall led to increases in social influence and increased veterinary reach and impact. The farmers in this study agreed with that sentiment. An actual farmer quote that I love from this study was that, I think they were crucial conversations to have and involve them in. And in fact, the most common change in the farmer and vet relationship post benchmarking in the study was this increased discussion and communication between the two parties about calves. So why weren't these happening before? They probably weren't happening because the farmer either didn't see the vet as an expert or didn't realize that, you know, he or she had deviated so much from the social norm. By providing their status in terms of where they fit into the current social norm, you as a vet can open the lines of communication that might otherwise have remained closed. Now, not every farm will benefit from this. Some farms already view you as an expert, and some vets have deeply integrated themselves into the calf-rearing operation already. However, the author did note that these discussions did improve the farmer's understanding of the information perhaps filling a different role for these well-connected clients already as more of an educational tool than an onboarding or social norm vehicle. The benchmarking also resulted in increased diagnostics that were performed by the vet, which would be a positive for these, again, well-connected dairies already, in that they're going to get better answers faster, and it's a positive for the vet in terms of additional revenue. So clearly we can see that even clients with the best farmer and vet relationships can still benefit from this type of benchmarking program. Some farms may not see the value in a program like this due to economics or the desire to make the decisions themselves, but we cannot let a few farms dictate why we should not do this for the many that could benefit. The way we integrate into operations as well as how we present the data and criticism is also critical in these situations. If you don't routinely ask about calves, if you don't routinely walk through the calves, you're going to decrease your client's views as an expert. You need to put yourself into the situation where you have the ability to comment, to view, and to just overall communicate with your client and their employees in the areas you want to consult. This goes back to the Thomas Edison quote, the quote-unquote genius, hangs around his laboratory day and night. If anything happens, he's there to catch it. You must be in the area and seen by others in that area so you're approachable and seen as the expert. The second thing we need to continually work on is how we present our feedback in these areas. When we're trying to present ourselves as experts, when we're trying to present this benchmarking data, Whether that's in the field or presenting the data, we again need to make sure we avoid negative feedback and always just present those idea nuggets that the farmer can choose to act on. Avoid criticism unless invited to give it. Instead, focus on the future and the changes to improve it. Finally, I'd urge every vet, whether student, associate, or owners, that we need to readjust our expectation that farmers will passively recognize our expertise and our potential to be an advisor. Instead, it's our responsibility to create an environment that shows our expertise and changes their mind. Ultimately, what this study found is that benchmarking information within calves can do this for us. And I would argue that benchmarking information throughout the dairy could do this for you, whether you did it in fresh cows, in production, in somatic cell count, in transition, in ration, in the calves, in the growing heifers. All of these things, if they were benchmarked, would allow you to be perceived as an expert more readily. If we don't actively take this role to show our expertise and we rely on our farmers to eventually identify that, it probably will not happen. And for years, we've relied on that, and clearly, based upon this study and the interviews before the presentation of the benchmarking data, it is not working. So it's time we try a different approach, because if we continue to do what we've always done, we're going to get what we've always gotten. And as Albert Einstein said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. Carry on, OTRs. If you like this content and want more, you can stop by the Operator's Owner's website at otovets.com. There you can sign up for our community at otovets.com forward slash Facebook. You can also consume some of our original content at the blog at otovets.com forward slash Facebook blog. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll catch you next time, OTRs.